Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Josh, and along with the team uh, and my wife Liz, who's out on the kids' ministry, uh, we lead Activate Christchurch. If you are a guest with us this morning, and I can see we have a few guests, you are most welcome. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It is our privilege to have you here with us today. And you have picked a good morning to come along for a couple of reasons. Number one is we're starting a brand new series, What Is God Like?, which is represented by the funky graphic, God equals question mark, which as it turns out, looks great, but is a terrible title for a message series. God equals question mark doesn't quite have the same ring to it. And the second reason that you've picked a good Sunday to come is because we've got a pig and we're doing a spit roast after the service, which is exciting. I have wanted to have a party for like the last couple of months. We came out of lockdown uh, we have traditionally less than 100 people on a Sunday morning, and so we were able to meet together at level two, which was awesome, but it also meant that there was social distancing uh, in place, and I didn't think it would be overly appropriate to throw a huge spit roast party at level two. So we waited until level one, and then we had some guest speakers down, and uh, you know, this morning kind of became the first Sunday that we could have a party which is what we wanted to do. And I got in touch with a church in Christchurch, City Church, which is pastored by Garth and Carol. And I said, are you guys having a party? And they said, yeah, we're having a party. They said, we're doing a pig on a spit. And I went, whoa, pig on a spit. That sounds awesome. Is it difficult? And Garth said, no, it's easy. And I thought, that's me, man. I'm all about the easy. He said, you just buy a pig, you get a spit, and then it just kind of, cooks itself you know it's like easy and so I said right we're going to do that so I said give me all the details he gave me the butcher they used he told me where they hire the spit roast I rung all the places I said you gave all this stuff to a church two weeks ago I just want the same everything the same I want the same pig not the same pig but you know I want all that stuff I want the same spit roast take care of it and uh, I thought great this is going to be awesome easy easy I go to pick the pig up on Friday and the guy brings out like this whole pig. And I'm like, oh, I did not think this through. It's a whole pig. He's carrying it like it's a human being. It's wrapped in a rubbish bag, but its feet are sticking out one end, and its snout's poking out the other end. And he just goes, here you go. So I'm holding this, it's 42 kilos, pig. I'm like trying to walk across Stanmore Road, looking inconspicuous, and all I've got is the church van. And so I just slide open the door and I just chuck the pig on the back seat. And I'm not a squeamish person. I like meat. I'm happy to, you know, drive down a country road and see a cow and wind down my window and say, I'm going to eat you one day. I like teasing cows. And, uh, but for some reason, having a whole pig in my back seat is giving me the willies. And every now and again, if I brake too hard, it would roll forward and hit the back of my driver's seat and scare the snot out of me. Like, <sighs> So I picked this pig up, and then fortunately, one of the guys at City Church said, I'll come give you a hand getting it on the spit. And I hadn't thought that through either. That took us over an hour and a half to get this pig on a spit. And without going into too many details, you've got to put the spit through parts of the pig that you do not want to be 
put and spit through. And, and then we get it in there, he's like, oh, it's too big. I'm like, well, what do we do? And he pulls a saw out of his boot and goes, I'll just cut it shorter. I'm standing there like, <laughs> And then he said, now, you've got to cook it on Sunday. I said, yeah, I know. So what time do I turn it on? Like, you know, church starts at 10. So he's like, well, no, you've got to have it turned on at 5.30. So I've been here this morning since 5.30 for the stupid peak. Thank you. Huh. You know, Liz, my wife, spent all day yesterday making salads and stuff because we don't know how many people are going to be there. And uh, so I'm going to ring Garth on Monday and say, you are a liar. There's nothing easy about this. This is difficult. And, and I said, how much pork do you get from a pig? And he said, well, we got enough pork to feed 150 people and we had some left over. And our pig is two kilos bigger than their pig. So none of you are allowed to leave. <laughs> you must come and eat some of the pig. Otherwise, I will be eating pork for the rest of my life. All right, so after church this morning, it's going to be out in the back room. We're going to be carving the pig on the spit. Uh, salads, pasta, drinks, bread. Hang around, say hello, chat to somebody, eat a lot of pork, take some pork home with you, give pork away. I don't care what you do with it. Someone said they're going to feed it to their dog. Don't feed it to the dog. That seems wasteful. Kira. It was Kira that said that. So that's happening uh, after the, the service. What's the time? Who's got the time? I forgot to wear a watch. 10.54. See, I got up in the dark and dressed in the dark. I didn't put my watch on. So I don't know what the time is. So... What I want to do this morning is I want to lift the lid on our new series. We're doing a series called, you know, What is God Like? And so my job this morning is to lift the lid on that. It's to unpack why we are talking about this and to lay a bit of a platform, a bit of a foundation that we can build on over the next couple of months. And so I won't take too long, but one of my favorite quotes, and I've shared it from the front many times, you've probably heard me say it, is by a guy called A.W. Tozer, a Christian theologian. And in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, which is all about God and what God's like, he says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Just wrestle with that statement for a moment. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I think that's, an, that's a very difficult question to answer. If I came up to Abel and said, Abel, tell me now the single most important thing about you, what is it? I mean, most of us would go, man, I wouldn't even know where to start. How do I even start working out what the most important thing about me is? Well, now you know, according to A.W. Tozer. You might not agree with that. You don't have to agree with that. It's okay. But he says the most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you think about God. He makes this statement in the same book. He says, the most portentous fact, I had to look up portentous in the dictionary because I did not know what that meant. And you can all laugh and stuff, but none of you know what that meant either, so don't lie. It means self-important, which I think is brilliant because everything about the word portentous just screams like it's a little bit up itself. You know, if all the dictionary words got together, at a party, hung out. Oh, look, here comes, you know, such and such. Here comes 
canvas, here comes hammock, or here comes portentous. Like it just screams self-important. The most self-important fact about any man or woman is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. The most important fact about any man is what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. I happen to agree with A.W. Tozer. I think that the most important thing about you is what you conceive, not in your mind, because we tell porkies to ourselves in our mind all the time. There is very often a huge difference between what we say we believe, what we like to think we believe, and what we carry as a core conviction in our heart. So he's not talking about what comes to mind when you think about God intellectually. He's talking about what comes to mind when you think about God in your heart. What is the conviction that you carry in your heart about what God is like? And the reason this matters so much, and the reason we're going to be talking about this and looking at a different character of God each Sunday for the next couple of months, is because everything you do comes down to this. You might not believe it, but it's true. Everything that you do, everything you say, every action you take, every decision you make is at some level influenced by what you believe God is like in your heart. And that applies not just to those of us that go to church, but to every single person on the planet. I could go up to someone who doesn't believe in God, who does not believe that God exists, and I could say, hey, when I talk to you about God, what comes to mind? And they would say, well, honestly, what comes to mind is that he's not real, that he doesn't exist. And I tell you what, every decision they make is influenced by that belief. Every decision. I've been a Christian my entire life. Every decision I have ever made, without realizing it, is at some level impacted by the fact that I carry a conviction that God is real. So for us as Christians, the real question is, what do we believe God is like? We looked at the Ten Commandments earlier on in the year, didn't we? And the first commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, God says, you're not allowed to have any other gods except me. That's the first commandment. You can't have any gods except me. I'm the only one. I'm the only God you can worship. I'm the only God you can serve. I'm the only God that you can think about, look at, study. Just me, no one else. And then it's almost like he knows the way that we're wired. He knows our tendencies. He knows how we think and how we work because the very next word out of his mouth is, and don't make your own version of me. The second commandment, do not make your own version of me. I am the one true God. Rule number two, don't come up with your own version of of me. And we read that and we think, oh, it's, that doesn't apply to me. He's talking about little wee Buddha statues in our lounge that we bow down to. It's not what he's talking about. I mean, that was the culture of the day. But the truth is that we can have just as much idolatry going on in our minds as anybody else does physically. As a French philosopher, 17th century, uh, very staunch atheist, actually, uh, big contributor to the Enlightenment uh, time. His name's Voltaire. He made this statement. In the beginning, he said, God created man in his own image. 
And man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. That's from a guy who doesn't even believe in God. There's a lot of truth in that statement. In the beginning, God created man in his image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. We all do it. We all try and shape the God that we serve. I've had so many conversations with different people about different things, and they'll say things like, well, my God wouldn't do that. Well, you're right, your God wouldn't, because your God's not real. <laughs> you come to church every Sunday, you sit, you have a relationship, kind of, with, to a certain extent. I've, I have done that many times. I have wrestled with different theologies and philosophies and things that I've seen, and, and, and I've gone, oh, I don't know if my God would do that. And God's like, well, it's not up to you to decide what I do and what I don't do. If we have... Uh, belief deep in our heart that God hates a certain type of people or hates a certain type of people because of the lifestyle that they choose, whether God does or doesn't, hear me, doesn't really matter to a point because we will act based on what we believe God thinks. We have a, a saying in radio, I was in radio for 10 years, and we had a saying in radio, I mean, it's, it's a saying everywhere, you've probably heard it, but in radio it was like gospel, it was like the Bible, and that saying is, a perception is reality. And what that basically means is it doesn't matter if something is real or not. All that matters is that people think it's real. Because the truth is that we don't respond to reality. We respond to our perception of reality. If I have the perception that my wife is furious at me because of something I've done, and I come home, I will act and think exactly the way I would act and think if she were furious at me because I think she's is any husband kind of identifying with this and you come home and you like you tip you avoid your wife and you think well I might try and do the dishes that'll be helpful and you're doing all this stuff because you think she's mad at you this has never happened in my life and uh, the, the truth is that that my life in that moment is my reality is that my wife is mad at me Everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm thinking, all the emotion that I'm feeling, the anxiety, the fear, all that stuff is real to me. I experience it. That's my reality. And then Liz might come and say, I'm not mad at you. Where'd you get that idea from? Oh, I thought you were because I did this. No. Right? What's that, Amanda? If you could just stick with playing the keys, that would be great. Thank you. One day I was working in Timaru and I had a co-host, a guy called Tom. We were on air together. And we got a phone call one morning from someone in Timaru to say, I think I've just seen Brad Pitt. I said, really? You think you've just seen Brad Pitt? Yeah, I think I've just seen Brad Pitt. So we said, if anyone else thinks that they've seen Brad Pitt, give us a call. Play a song, come back at the end of the song, there's another phone call from someone else. I think I just saw Brad Pitt too. Really? Wow. Anyone else? And over the next half an hour, we had half a dozen people call up with Brad Pitt sightings. And so we did a little bit of research, and we found out that a production company that was owned by Brad Pitt had said that maybe one day at some point they might film a movie somewhere in New Zealand. And so we said, well, maybe Brad Pitt's here just doing a little bit of location scouting. 
And so we were getting people to call and say where they were, and it was clear that he was kind of on this journey because someone would say they saw him here, and then five minutes later they saw him here, and then five minutes later he was here. So we thought, well, let's go find him. So we jumped in the car, and we started driving through Timaru, and we were broadcasting our show from the car. So it's like, hey, it's, you know, it's Josh and Tom here, and we're down by Caroline Bay. We're looking for Brad Pitt, and you know, we're on the hunt. Eventually, we tracked down him in a car. He's driving in a car. And so we're now chasing him through Timaru to try and find Brad Pitt. And all this is happening on the radio. Eventually, he pulls over, and we go running over, all on air, tapping on his car window. And just as he's about to wind down his window to say hello to us, the driver takes off, and we lose him. Except... None of that happened. We made the whole thing up. We thought it would be funny. So we organised for half a dozen of our friends that didn't live in Timaru to ring the radio station and say they'd seen Brad Pitt. And we told them where to say that they had seen him. And we made this whole story up. And we don't even have the capacity, technology-wise, to broadcast from a car. So we had to record all of that during the week. And so while all that was playing on the air, we were just sitting in the studio with our feet on the desk having a coffee, listening to ourselves. Sorry to burst the illusion of radio, but that happens more often than you think. The funny thing is, is that in the paper the next day, there was a story about Brad Pitt being in Timaru. And all these people had seen him. That was their perception. Right, their perception was that Brad Pitt was there. Everybody listening to the radio had the perception that Brad Pitt was there and they would have told their friends at work and maybe gone and have a look for him and all this kind of stuff. But none of it was real. Don't look at me like that, man. It's entertainment, all right? <laughs> Far out. Judge much? Entertainment. Right? Everybody had a good time. No one got hurt. It's all right. My point is that perception is reality. If we have a perception that God is like this, it doesn't matter if that's wrong. For us, it will be real. And we will live and act and talk and think like that's what God is like, even if he's not. If we think that God hates it when we make a mistake and gets angry at us when we make a mistake, then how do we respond when we make a mistake? And yet, if the person sitting right next door to you thinks that God is forgiving and loving and restorative, and will reach down and pick you up every time you make a mistake, then how will that person respond? Two entirely different responses. The God is the same. What's different? What's different is the perception that each person carries around who God is and what God is like. It is imperative, imperative that we have an accurate concept of God's character. It's too important to get wrong. Not just for your life, but like I said before, for the lives of all the people in your world that God is calling you to impact. Your schools, your workplaces, your universities. You have to see God the way that God is, not through some lens of what we've created him to be. A.W. Tozer says in his book that idolatry is, in his opinion, the worst. The worst of all sins is idolatry. And idolatry in its purest form is just creating our own version of God, and then worshipping that. I love what he says at the end of the book too. He says, only after an ordeal of painful self-probing are we likely to discover 
what we actually believe about God. This is the journey that we're going to go on over the next couple of months. My goal in this series is not to tell you what God is like. My goal is for you to come to a place where you recognize what you think God is like. It's for you to understand how you perceive God. Because that's what matters most in your world is how you see God. I heard someone say once that a good message should be wrestled with. And I love that concept. I love the concept that you come to church and you get a message that makes you go, Ugh, I don't know if I agree with that. I'm going to have to go away and think about that. I think we've all been in a church somewhere sometime where someone's got up to preach and every time they say anything, the whole front row's like, yeah, come on, preach it. Yes, so good. And I love that. I, I love that. I love being encouraged. Thank you. But... There's a part of me that goes, gee, it would be awesome to be in a church where you get up to preach and the whole front row is like, ugh, no, really? Huh, let me think about that. You know, it would be like a cool kind of environment to be in because if you come to church on a Sunday morning and all you hear is stuff that you already agree with, there's no growth in that. That's not going to change you. It's not going to impact your life. If you come to church and everything you get taught is stuff that you already knew or at best was just stuff you hadn't kind of thought about that way, why don't we be prepared to come to church and get a message that we just go, I don't like that at all. Man, we had Daz here last Sunday. I spent a huge amount of time traveling with Daz. The number of times that Daz said stuff that I was like, no, that I do not like that at all. Might be hard to believe, but Daz and me have had some pretty big Barneys. It's really awkward to stay in the same hotel room with someone that is not talking to you. Share a car ride for an hour and a half from one place to the next where I'm just sitting there with my arms folded and we're just not talking to each other. But, you know, the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. And when you think about that process, that's, that's a lot of conflict. There's sparks that fly when you've got iron sharpening iron. That's the way church should be. Come to church, get a message, and go, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to have to go home and read my Bible. I'm going to have to go home and read my own Bible, not just rely on what the person up the front says. Do my own study. Let me tell you something for a fact. I have said a lot of things, not in this church, but in other churches that were wrong. <laughs> I have said a lot of things that... Years later, I look back and go, I've literally rung churches and said, can we please edit your podcast from 2015? Because that bit there is not accurate. So don't put all your faith in me, please. Go home and read your Bibles. The mischievous part of me is tempted occasionally to just make stuff up and put it on the screen and see if you notice. <laughs> I remember hearing a pastor say once, he said to his church, right, we're going to do a series on honesty. Starting next week, I want you all to go home and read Joshua chapter 25 and then come back. We're going to preach out of that. Comes back the next Sunday, starts the service. All right, guys, who read Joshua chapter 25? Half the church goes, yep. He says, awesome. So today's series is honesty. There are only 24 chapters in Joshua. I won't do that. I won't do that. Well, maybe I will. At some point. All I'm saying is take responsibility for your own stuff. So the big question this morning, what comes into our minds when we think about God? It's the most important thing about us. 
What do I believe about God? If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it on your memory stick. What do I believe about God? Because the answer to that question will impact every area of your life. It's imperative that it's accurate. Does that make sense? So next week, Dan is going to be sharing about a characteristic of God. And we're going to pick one characteristic every week. We could go on for a long time if we wanted to. There's over 990 different names for God in the Bible. We could do this for 10 years because God's just so awesome. But we're only going to do it for a little while. But again, the goal of this series is not for you to just consume information and go, well, Josh said that God's like this. Dan said that God's like that. Steve says that God's like this and whatever. It's for you to work out what do I think about God. And like A.W. Tozer says, that's not a quick process because we're not talking about a head thing. We're talking about a deep heart conviction. That takes a lot of work to uncover and a lot of honesty. It's up to you if you want to do it. It'll make the next few months a lot more fun.